Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that prides itself on great service and delivering you the vehicle that is right for you. They've been in business for more than 50 years, and they're the largest dealership in Northern Colorado. In the car business today, inventory is scarce, and new cars are harder to come by than ever. But Peterson Toyota has new cars coming in daily, and they are supporting their local customers and giving priority to Fort Collins and surrounding city residents with that inventory. Come check out their new and certified pre-owned vehicles, and Peterson Toyota's knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find the one that is right for you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Canalamessa, joined by Mike Rowe, recording just two days from kickoff versus Michigan, 12 p.m. Eastern kickoff, Saturday, ABC National Telecast. That is going to be awesome. Um, before we get started, Mike, I wanted to ask you, are there any updates or plans? I know you've got a pre-rally on Friday evening from, what, 3 to 5? Uh, at the Blue Tractor Barbecue and Brewery, and then that's just right around the corner from the official alumni rally at uh, the Cirque Bar, which is about uh, both are about a mile from the Michigan campus. But on Saturday, uh, what are your plans to tailgate? I know I've seen some chatter on the board, like, where do we go to tailgate aside from the Alumni Association party? So uh, you got any plans? You got any suggestions? This is kind of a shock, but no, I don't. Your brother was supposed to come through with this massive tailgate, Joel, but <laughs> I haven't heard anything from Jordan. But, no, I'm, I'm kicking around a couple ideas. Uh, my suggestion is if you have not found a tailgate, go to the alumni area. Uh, it's at the city – what is it? Uh, Ann Arbor Golf Outing. Ann Arbor Golf and Outing Club. Yeah. Uh, and I know that they're they're sold out as far as – uh, getting their drink and, and food packages, but you can go there. They do have an open bar. And I got a couple things kicking around. So there might be a, a micro tailgate going on uh, by, by the alumni tailgate as well. So for those of you that are going, obviously stop by blue tractor tomorrow. We'll be doing that from three to five. I know uh, their owners and the, and managers and stuff are really excited about having us. Um obviously go to the the Cirque after for the alumni event those are always great I know last year's uh the one in in Iowa City was, was so much fun that was a great brewery that they found and and Chrissy they and and her staff they do a great job finding um just awesome locations to to have these away parties at um and again I, I just knowing my wife that was her job when she worked for CSU so they're always fun and uh, you find me, ask me a couple drinks. I'll probably have a tailgate planned and lined up. So, <laughs> and and I'm expecting that free drink at on uh, Friday afternoon at the Blue Tractor. So, and <laughs> I know you have a habit of 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 getting a little looped up and opening up your wallet a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> what was it in uh, Tuscaloosa? I think I bought sixty beers. Yeah, yeah that, that was not around for everybody in the brewery. Yeah. So uh, well, those of you who have been, Mike does a great job with these. He always picks really cool bars with, um, you know, that that aren't like obviously chains or anything like that. They're cool. They're local to that to that particular town. So it's a lot of fun. It's usually uh, some of the top uh, beers that you can find. So um, 
So let's get to it. I just locked one down for uh, Washington State, too. So for those of you going to Pullman, uh, I'll give more info on that. But just talk to, uh, like, literally the top-rated brewery uh, in Pullman. And it is nine-minute walk from uh, where the alumni party uh, will be on that Friday. So for those of you going to Pullman, I'll be uh, giving more information on that. But obviously, it's Michigan week. It is Michigan week. Hopefully we'll be two and zero by then. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, all right. So I know Mike, Mike is leaving right after we record this to go to the airport. Cause he's leaving like, like a, like a true pro on Thursday for Ann Arbor. Um, so let's get, let's get started on this. It's my pleasure to welcome our guest for today. Justin Michael from DNVR just uh, really impressed by what he has done to build that thing as you as a lot of you long timers know we we took a run at a subscription model way back in you know 2005 and we had a good run we had a fun time with it for about a year or two um and ultimately decided just to pull the plug because we were spending so much time on it but it wasn't necessarily yielding um a, a living to be able to do it full time but uh we had regular writers like Eric Olson former former uh, defensive back we had Bradley Van Pelt providing content it was so fun uh but so to see what 15 years 17 I don't remember exactly when you started this last year at some point Justin but um to see the way that you've really kind of made this a sustainable thing and producing the content that you are is awesome but Justin is also uh he's a former collegian sports director sports reporter um mile high sports digital editor um, and then he founded his own Rams report, which was, which was great. And then that involved into, uh, him getting an opportunity with DNVR, which is where he's been for, uh, what, two, couple years now, Justin? Two, yeah, three? since, uh, 2019. So three years now. Okay. Fantastic. So, uh, appreciate you joining us, buddy. Um, I got a couple of questions just to, to start. Uh, well, actually, Mike, I'll let you go. Cause I know you want to ask him kind of, uh, about his love for CSU and, and how he got into all this. So first of all, Justin, thank you. I know that we've talked off, sent messages back and forth about getting on, getting you on here. So uh, really glad that you were able to make this work out, that we were able to make this work out and perfect timing for the start of our season. Now you're a graduate from, and you grew up a CSU fan. How did you get that love for the Rams? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, my dad is an alum, so I I grew up just following local college football in general. I didn't, you know, really have a hatred for CU or anything as a kid. I kind of really liked both programs, but I just preferred CSU much more. So like I always rooted for CSU in the showdown. I wasn't like anti CU or anything, but I, I just like as, as a young kid, you know, watching CSU. And unfortunately I'm just old enough that I was able to catch the, the tail end of the, of the peak Lubick years, maybe not the peak that's, you know, late nineties, but early two thousands, I got to, you know, watch players like BVP and Cecil Sapp and David Anderson was actually my favorite player until Kyle Bell came around and I got obsessed with him, but it was just kind of a way for me to connect with my dad. And I don't know. There was just something about college football that connected with me even more so than the NFL, especially as a, as a kid, like I loved the, the fight songs and the pageantries and the, and I thought that the game was exciting. I liked that there was, you know, unique styles that didn't all look the same kind of like it did in the NFL. And 
I don't know. I just kind of fell in love with it. And then when I got to CSU, I, I went in head first, you know, like the fact that I got to go to games for free was actually like, that was legitimately something I considered when I was like considering schools. I was like, well, I'll get to go to all the Ram games for free. So I, I should definitely go to CSU. Anyways, it, it was, it's just been awesome. You know, I followed it my whole life. I worked for the football team when I got there. I got involved at the Collegian. So I've just been around it, you know, for as, as long as I can remember. That was a terrible answer. I'm, I'm much better at, at asking questions than answering them. But <laughs> No, that was great. That was great. Uh, you know, I'm kind of along the same lines. Grew up in the state. Had no hatred for H- Air Force or uh, CU. Actually liked Air Saw more Air Force coverage because I grew up in southeast Colorado. Now I hate him. <laughs> absolutely hate him you definitely do but uh how difficult is it being a fan and also having to cover uh your team yeah it's a weird dynamic for sure the fact that we're, i'm at dnvr makes it a little bit easier just because we're not like traditional newspaper coverage i can lean into the fact that i am pro csu a little bit more but i mean i think the the toughest part is that you just you want to still be credible, right? Like people like that you're passionate about it. They like that, you know, you care about it too, but you also have to be able to provide, you know, rational analysis, fair input. You got to cover, you obviously have to act a certain way when you're around the team, when you're at the stadium, you know, I can't be in the the press box, you know, jumping up and down if something big happens. So it, it's made me a much calmer sports fan altogether. And it's probably a good thing just from having to do it professionally. Now, when I watch like any other games on TV, like the Avs Cup run, maybe I got a little bit more intense, but I'm not like screaming at the TV or anything. But yeah, I don't know. The hardest part, I think, is just, you know, not letting the uh, the emotion of the game get involved. Like, you know, if, if CSU loses a tough game, they blew it. I can't be like all emotional when I go into the locker room after and be like, you know, what the hell, man? Like, what were you thinking? Like, you just... I don't know. You got to, you got to kind of be as even keeled as you possibly can while still, you know, having that, that passion come through the fact that you do care about CSU, you know, have a deep knowledge of it and, and all that. So you're saying the Utah state game. Yes. The Utah (laughs) state, he got pushed out of bounds. All right. Like I, I will, I will always, I will always argue that. Oh. And then if we want to talk about last year's Utah state game, that was, yeah. That was a debacle. Um, I don't think Adazio liked our questions very much after the whole, that one. I'll say that. I want to ask you a couple of questions about Adazio in a minute, but I do like the blend uh, of your approach. And it's kind of what you would want out of a, a, a web-based coverage site like this, um, where you want a little bit of knowing we, we know that you were a CSU guy. We know that you love CSU. Um, and that can come through a little bit, but you do keep it unbiased as much as possible. And, uh, and then it's, it, it's, it's different from what, you know, Kevin Lytle, who is also an alum, you know, he, he can't let any of that shine through, right? He's, he's, he's with traditional newspaper media. And uh, so he, it's just a little bit different, but uh, I think you both do a really good job covering the program. So um, thanks guys. You guys are buttering me up here. A lot of, a lot of compliments early on. I should come we're on waiting, more we're often to drive the dagger in in just a second. Exactly. <laughs> no, um, up that tea. <laughs> excuse me. Um, so you mentioned working for the football program. Was that, um, was that, that Sardner McElwain or was that Bobo? 
So I, I worked for McElwain um, in 2013 and 2014. So his second season and then his third season up until he, he left for Florida. I, I was nothing important. You know, I, I was an office assistant. I worked for Tom Ellers, who was the, the DFO at the time. I got to interact with the coaches and eventually I got to help out with some, you know, clipping up stuff for recruiting and stuff like that. Just, but I mean, for me, it was a, it was a dream come true. Just, you know, being involved in college football and being around the coaches like Joey Porter was on the staff at the time. And, you know, being a guy that grew up a CSU guy, just like every day being like, Oh, Hey Joey. And he knew my name. It was, it was very surreal, but it, it was cool that I got to experience it. And, probably is what propelled me into doing this in the first place are there um so and then did you get a year with under Bobo or was it just all McElwain yeah I got like I think it was like eight months I I still worked for the Bobo staff but they didn't really have a role for me um so I after kind of working my way up I essentially got all the way back down to just being like a general office assistant and you know, frankly, I was kind of just like, screw this. Like I just spent two and a half years trying to work my way up. I thought at one point I might try and, you know, like become a coach or work in recruiting or something like that. But I, I, I was kind of spurned by the whole process anyways, just seeing all the assistant coaches. And, you know, a lot of those guys had just bought houses when Mac left for Florida and then like everybody loses their job right around Christmas. And I was like, I don't really know if I want to do this anyways. And then when I got demoted, I was just kind of like, I, I think I, I can do more than this. So I, I went out and tried media and that it was cool. It was way different. I started on women's basketball, worked my way up, but it was, it was a fun experience. So I guess what I want to get at, cause you've now, you've kind of been in the mix of, of four different coaching staffs now. Um, do you see, were there some that you held in higher regard than others? Do you see any similarities? And you tell us about some of the differences you, you, you've noticed between that, the, the four different staffs. Yeah, they're, they're all very, very different from each other. I think a lot of the, uh, the assistants on the McElwain staff, didn't get enough credit for what they did. I mean, Mac was a great coach and I, I loved his whole demeanor was very intense. Like, especially like he had really high standards. If, if you were not living up to him, he was not afraid to, you know, chew into you. And, and Bobo is the same way, but I didn't really see it as much in the, in the office as I did with McElwain. Like I saw McElwain rip into people fairly frequently. It, it wasn't that he was like a, Bully. I don't really know how to describe it. It was just like he was super intense. And if he, if he didn't like it, he was going to let you know. Everybody knew how he was going to be. But he was also super meticulous, like incredibly prepared. Bobo is probably, as far as offensive schemes go, I think probably like the smartest football guy I've ever met. I don't know if he was necessarily the greatest game manager. And I, I think he struggled with the, the CEO aspect of managing the entire team. And that's something that Norvell seems to do really well. So I'm excited about that. Um, the, the last staff, I didn't get to know everybody very well. I'd say out of the, the entire staff, the Adazio staff was the one I knew the least just because of COVID policies. They didn't have very much uh, open access, you know? So like I got to meet the coordinators, got to be around Adazio, a couple of the position guys, Brian White, a little bit. Um, 
they were definitely my least favorite staff to be around. I, I, to, to be honest, I mean, I, I'm not trying to throw dirt on them or anything like that. Obviously it played out. Everybody knew how they acted, but this new staff has been definitely the most open, like Bobo and, and McElwain coming from the sec. They just operated much differently. Like you, you could tell they always thought like, I don't know, we were going to get their game plan out or give away their secrets or, or something like that. So they closed everything up. Norvell just seems to be a lot more laid back, much more pleasant to be around out of all the coaches. I'd say like, he'd probably be the one I would want to play for the most just because of his demeanor. But I have a lot of respect for Bobo and Mac. Yeah. You know, I was fortunate enough to uh, get to know Mac during his time here through, I was coaching high school football at the time. And he was, he was really open with, with high school coaches letting us in and, and, trying to teach us, especially at the clinics and then just being fortunate enough at CSU events to, to talk to them. So that said, what are, what are those major differences you see between this year's and last year's teams? Well, I mean, obviously the way they practiced was completely different in, in spring ball and in fall camp, they split the reps up. There's a, a much bigger emphasis to get, the threes and fours on the field, working with the staff's live reps. Whereas in the past, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not on the two deep, you're probably not getting a whole lot of reps, especially later in, in camp, you could just tell they, they want to establish depth. They want to get those young guys on the field as much as they possibly can. Another thing that's going to be starkly different on offense and defense, there's going to be a lot more rotations. I mean, one of the things that I think really hurt the defense last year you had a lot of talent in that front seven, but they were playing like 60 to 80 snaps a game. They all got banged up. And then we saw by the end of the year, they just had a skeleton crew out there. They were just getting beat up. Freddie Banks, the staff, they're going to, they're going to rotate a hell of a lot more, you know, probably not going to see most guys playing more than, you know, 50 ish snaps, maybe the secondary guys, a couple more, if you're safety, something like that. But we're, we're just going to see a lot more guys on the field, both offensively and defensively. And I think that's, that's exciting. You know, I, I don't know if they did enough of that under the last couple of staffs and then you would get an injury or two. And then all of a sudden you're screwed because you're just so dependent on these guys. Obviously you're going to lean on your best players, you know, Tory Horton, you're going to get the ball to him as much as he can, but we're just going to see a lot more guys making an impact. And I think overall it's going to be really good for this team and it's going to be fun. And I hope, you know, knock on wood, it's going to help keep them healthier. I just think the approach is, is much more modern. And that's one of the things that really stands out to me about Norvell is that he seems very adaptable, you know, like the way he coaches now, it was not the norm when he was playing, but he's evolved. You know, he listens to the science. He listens to, you know, other coaches. Whereas the last staff, you know, it was kind of like, I've done it this way. I won this way. You know, I won a national championship, all this, and this is how it's done. And I just think they were, they were kind of outdated. So I, I like to see the modern approach. I think that really stands out about this staff versus the last one. You know, one thing I've really liked about him is, I mean, I just love listening to his press conferences, especially these last couple more in-depth press conferences leading up to the season. Um, you know, he's been asked multiple times about his approach going into this game and uh, how his team will handle the crowd and the magnitude of the, of the game itself. And he, he keeps going back to the standpoint of, I'm just worried about my own, 
team and my students fo focusing on my student athletes and getting them ready to play, not so much all the, the other peripheral stuff. But uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting, the way he started his last press conference, he came out with, he said, he basically asked Kyle Neves to pull a bunch of data on the, the performance of the team over the last five years and particularly what they've done in the second half of the season and what they've done at home. And he, he did that so that he could relay to the team, relay to his coaches, the history and where they're coming from and where they need to get to. And one of the things that he pointed out was the, the performance of the team in the second half of every season. And it's not pretty. Um, it's not pretty at all. And he said, that's something that's really going to be a focus of, of his regime um, to, to change that, to, to get stronger as the season goes. And I know you mentioned that in one of your, um, in your recent column about, uh, about stuff that CSU needs to accomplish uh, going forward here. Um, can tell, tell us about a little bit about um, what you wrote in that column. I don't want to, you don't have to give away everything. Uh, I think it was behind the paywall, but um you know, tell tell us about kind of what your impressions were from that that press conference and some of what he did talk about with with um, what he wants to see from this program going forward. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it, it definitely <clears throat> stood out to me. It, it's what he opened with, you know, so this was kind of the theme he was trying to set is that we want to be better at the end than we are right now. And for CSU, unfortunately, under a couple of different staffs now the last couple of years, that just has not been the case. There've been teams with talent, but as, as the year has gone on, they've, you know, kind of crumbled. And also, you know, going back to what we just talked about with getting more reps, I think that will benefit this team in the long run. I think we'll see a fresher team down the stretch, which will hopefully allow them to be better. But I think Norvell understands exactly what the fans are fed up with. And it's just the lack of success in the games that matter. Like, it's great that CSU piles on, on New Mexico every year. It's, it's great that, you know, they were able to win on homecoming last year, but when you're consistently losing down the stretch, the conference games, the divisional matchups, air force, Boise state, Wyoming on a yearly basis, you can't have any success. Like those are the premier programs in your conference. And on a yearly basis, you're just kind of rolling over and Norvell wants to set that standard. I think it's, it's good to, have that clear to the players. Like, yes, you know, we want to be good now, but we're just starting that mission. Like we're just starting that climb. But also I think it's, it's good for the fans to recognize. I think he's kind of laying some, some subliminal messaging there that look, we're not going to be necessarily great at the beginning. This is a team with talent. They're athletic, but they have 59 new players, new schemes on both sides of the ball, a pair of trips to power five, you know, teams could be a little bit bumpy at the beginning, but the goal here is not necessarily to peak in, in week three, you know, to win on the road at Toledo and, and have that be the high moment of the season. The, the goal here is to be playing, you know, competitive football at the end of October and come November. Yeah. And that's, that's a great, uh, it's great to hear that because that was when Sonny was great. He, they always got stronger as the season went and uh, for whatever reason, under multiple staffs here, like you said, it's it's not been that way. Um, curious because, you know, we all have this pipe dream that we would love to see CSU go in and shock Michigan like like the Rams did in Tucson in 1994. And I have this game changing uh, program changing win. Um, has have you heard anyone mention 
an actual goal of going there to win. It, it seems like it's, it's all just, Hey, we want to make sure we take care of ourselves. We want to make sure that um, we get better throughout the game and we learn from ourselves. I haven't heard one person say we're going in there to win. Have, have you heard anything uh, from being around the program? Any players? Any Bradley Van Pelt's uh, guaranteeing a, a victory. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Nothing bold. I mean, I, I think they're trying to be respectful. One of the fact that this is a college football playoff team, but yeah, I haven't I haven't seen anybody go on record with that. Now I will say that with how hard these players work, they're not going in there. Like, you know, like I guarantee you, if I talk to Tori Horton, he may not say it on record, but if I talked to him off record and was like, Do you guys think you could win? Be like, hell yeah, you know, we work just like they do. So the I, the players, they're going out there and they wanna they wanna show Michigan up. Norvell's been around college football long enough that I don't think he's gonna say anything crazy. Yeah, I mean they they want to compete. They they would love to shock Michigan. I just think that when if you say that like week one, it can kind of set the wrong precedent. Particularly like if you have a a Hawaii scenario where you get rolled. You know they lost sixty three to ten, and then all of a sudden people are like, "Wait, what? You just gave this rah rah speech, and now you lost by 50. I think he's just trying to set like reasonable expectations, but. I mean, obviously that they want to compete, you know, I, I, I think that people in that locker room think that they can win. I, I don't know if I think they can win, but I'm sure I'm glad that the, the people in the locker room believe that, or at least I would hope that they, they would. I kind of danced around that one. That was a coach. Speech. No, no, that's good. That's good. So, <laughs> so have you noticed, I mean, it seems like there's an, a different uh, vibe with this, this, staff obviously the staff and then this the the culture of the team in general have you witnessed any tangible culture change yet just being around the in practice and being around players yeah i mean the the vibes are are significantly better i don't even think that's debatable people are having fun there's music playing you can just see on the players faces you know i don't want to be like dramatic or anything like that but there are players that are on this team this year that would not have stuck around if the old staff would have, would have been there. There are people that are starting in, in the lineup that wanted to quit football because of the way that, you know, that the program was, I think Barry Wesley would probably still be around, you know, if, if Adazio didn't come through. So it's, I think this staff has just done a great job of getting everybody involved top to bottom. Again, you know, when you're, when you're actually getting reps, when you're a three and four, you're going to be a lot more engaged, especially when you like the coaching staff, they're not screaming at you all the time. They treat you with respect. I mean, that's, you, you guys asked me earlier, what's different about this staff than the last one. You'll see these coaches yell, but it's like a, you know, come on, like pump them up. I have not seen and all of spring ball, all of fall camp, I haven't seen a single coach like get in anybody's face and, and for, excuse my language, but like motherfuck someone or anything like that. You know, it's, it's all very much about positivity, encouragement, you know, getting people to buy in, but doing it because they want to be there, not because, you know, you intimidated them into motivation, but because you inspired them into motivation. And honestly, to me, it's refreshing because I think it's, it reminds me of, you know, the difference you saw when Medved came into town versus Larry Eustacey. I'm not saying you can't win being that intense coach, the, 
old school bully style. We see it across the country. You can win, but it's pretty hard to, especially at this level when you don't have, you know, the benefit of five stars. I think just having a guy that can relate to the players and inspire them. That's obviously paying dividends from a recruiting standpoint. And as a fan, it just allows you to be proud of your program. Even if you're not necessarily having all of the success that you want, like, you know, if, if CSU goes six and six this year, that'd be great. Get back to the postseason. But obviously we all have higher standards and hopes, you know, move, moving forward. Uh, one last thing kind of tying into this, the previous staff, but can you share any uh, horror stories that you've had with the, uh, our former head coach? <laughs> Honestly, like it, it wasn't, I never felt like I was, it was that big of a deal. I don't know. And, and looking back, it, it's funny just because of how starkly different Norvell acts with us. And it kind of makes me look back at the way Adazio acted and was like, man, maybe I should have been a little more annoyed or offended in the moment, but I think I just kind of got used to it. And I, I've talked about this with Kevin. Like we, you just kind of learn to understand that like everything that you ask is going to annoy him. He's going to get extremely defensive and probably snap at you. Uh, but the, the biggest one I would say is, and I don't even remember what I asked or, or which loss it was, but he just, he did this thing where like before he would answer your question, he would kind of like stare you down and try and intimidate you. And uh, it just, I don't know. It, it didn't like make me mad, but it was a good thing where we were wearing, wearing masks because there were a couple of times where he did that to me. And then I started giggling just because I was uncomfortable and I think if he would have saw me laughing, he might have like actually come off the podium and, and beat me up or something. But he was a he was an intense guy, man. He was he was not fun to interact with, that that's for sure. Um I don't know. The thing that was much different between like him and you, Stacy, is although you Stacy, you knew everything about him, he still had these like charming moments. He could turn it on and like be personable in a crowd. And I just never once saw that from Adazio. And I think a big part of it stemmed from him feeling like CSU should be grateful for the fact that he was there. And like the whole way that he carried himself was kind of like, I'm this football God, like none of you know, as much as me, you guys should all be kissing the ground and walking on. And the fact that right off the beginning, you know, you have like the investigation from the Colorado and the report from the Colorado in, I just kind of felt like he took it as like, how dare you media, you know, come after me. Like you guys should be thankful. I'm here in the first place for your rinky dink program. And I don't know. It just, the way he carried himself, it, it, it always just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I tried to be fair to him, you know, with, with my coverage, I, even after 2020, you know, I wasn't like, we got to fire this guy. You know, I tried to be fair about the fact that there was the pandemic and it was hard to practice and all that, but I just think from day one, it, it was kind of easy to see it likely wasn't going to work out. And for me, just as far as like human beings go, the first time I got a one-on-one -on -one with him, I don't think he made eye contact with me like one time in 10 minutes. And I was just kind of like, all right, cool. This, this is how this is relationship's going to go. I'm one of two or three guys that'll actually cover your program consistently. And uh, you, you could not care less. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, from the outside, obviously you have more, uh, had more opportunity, but you know, from the outside, I think we all saw that. I mean, almost from the introductory press conference, 
Is there anybody uh, from that staff that you actually miss and, and wish would have been able to find a role uh, with, with coach Norvell? Uh, Perk was a good coach defensively. Um, I mean, Anthony Hill, but that was at the beginning and they got rid of him right off the, the beginning. And we don't have to like go into that whole thing again, but I will say one of the things that did really disappoint me, particularly at the beginning of the Adazio era, I, I know that the whole situation with Hill was complicated and I do think he probably had an ax to grind, but the fact that so many people were like so dismissive of him, a CSU legend was, you know, right off the beginning was, you know, like, Hey, red flag, red flag, red flag. And so many people were just kind of like, Oh, he's just a bitter former coach. I was like, eh, maybe listen to your legendary quarterback. That's been around multiple staffs. Again, I'm not saying that he didn't have an extra grind. He probably did, but I think he had a, had a lot of valid points and I wish that, you know, off the bat, we kind of would have listened to him. I get it. CSU fans were just trying to embrace the new staff. They were trying to embrace a, a tough situation. And after the last couple of years, they were just wanted to believe in something, but man, everyone should have listened to Anthony Hill. And it, it bums me out that he didn't get like a, a little bit better reaction from the fan base. Yeah, we, we had him on, he's one of my favorite. He's actually probably my favorite player of all time. And um, we've had him on the podcast. We talked to him uh, about that whole situation. It's a sad deal. I mean, it's sad to see a legendary former student athlete like that kind of get shited by your own athletic department, uh, the way that that relationship went. And uh, it's a, I don't want to dig it all back up again either, but that is definitely a story that, that was a bummer for, for everybody on both sides. So but that's why it's exciting now, right? Like that's again, you know, kind of going back to the difference with this staff and the old one. I don't, I don't foresee a Utah state type season where you go, you know, 10 and two this year, shock everyone and win the league just because their schedule is so challenging. Their road slate is absolutely brutal, both conference and non-conference, but you have a coach that you can be proud about. And I think that's, you know, if, if you're a program like CSU, where on a year-to-year basis, you're not necessarily going to be a top 25 program, at least you can have a coach you respect. Like with Medved, has there, there's never been any point, even that first year when they weren't great, where, you know, everybody was like, man, it, it sucks that we have this guy leading our program. You felt, you still felt good. You believed in what he was doing. You felt like he was a respectable guy. For me, like, yes, I want to win. You know, I, I want to see CSU be a top 25 program, the top of the mountain West, but like my baseline is just be a good person. And I genuinely think Jay Norvell is a good person. And I, I think that's going to be good for the program. Hopefully they can keep him. All right, let's turn the page. Let's, let's go forward. Let's go. Let's forward. be positive. Let's see. Yeah, let's bring the right. vibes back up. All right. Who, who is, who has stood out for you during fall camp? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, justice Ross Simmons, the true freshman wide receiver is a beast. When you see his frame, he looks like a guy that can, that can make an impact right away. Uh, defensively, I've been very intrigued by Taiwan Francis at the nickel. I think it's a role that's really just going to be conducive for his skill set, kind of like a hype, you know, getting to roam around occasionally be that like hybrid linebacker, make an impact in the run, get some blitzes in all the corners actually want to play nickel just because they get to blitz the quarterback. But um, 
I've also really been impressed by Chigoze Anusium, the Cal transfer at corner. I, I think he's probably the most athletic corner that we've had since Brandon Crossley. That's encouraging to see. I think those starting DBs are, are going to be pretty good. I, I don't know about depth. I'm a little concerned about depth at, at corner and linebacker, but the guys that are going to be in the, the rotation, especially early on, are really good. And then, I mean, it's easy to talk about, you know, Tory Horton, Melquan Stovall, all the Nevada guys They're They're all very impressive. We had a lot of people on Ram Nation uh, when the, when the depth chart came out, um, kind of shocked about how we had a number of former starters under Bobo and Adazio that are now in backup roles. I know when, when I was up there for the scrimmage, you and I talked about Dante Dante Wright and how his role would probably be this season. So having seen the practices and the scrimmages, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I understand when you you look at the depth chart and you see it on paper, you know, guys like Dante Wright, you know, Cameron Carter, Jack Howell, productive, productive players at second on the depth chart and your gut reactions to be like, what the hell, you know, what gives, but you know, going back to what I said earlier and the fact that they're going to rotate so much, it's kind of a matter of semantics. Like technically speaking, Dante is number two behind Melquan because they're very similar. They play the same role, but Melquan's been in the system, you know, for four years now. So that, that kind of makes sense. They're all going to play like really those top five guys should all be considered starters. And really you could say the same thing about Gary Williams, because they're going to do so many two tight end sets. Like it's just kind of a matter of like Dante might not be on the field for play one, but he's probably going to be on the field for plays two, three, five, seven, nine. Like they're, they're all going to play so much that it doesn't really matter. I will say the one that's really significant would probably be linebacker. The fact that Drew Kulik was able to beat out Cameron Carter Cameron, you know, one of the, I think he was like the third leading tackler per game last year, but it's a new system, you know? So they, they need different things from the linebackers. And the staff's been pretty open about like, you know, we're, we're going to do it our way. Um, but I wouldn't panic. You know, all those guys are still going to play Jack Howell, especially like Angel King is the starting free safety because that's what Freddie Banks has really wanted, but they're going to shift him to corner at times too. And then Howell and Blackburn will both be back at safety. So like they're all going to play, they're all going to be deeper. I think we get too wrapped up in who's on the field play one. I feel the same way about basketball, you know, like, Sometimes having a really great six man is better than shoehorning him into the starting lineup and then having a bench rotation that can't, you know, come in and produce like it's, it's all about mixing it in and and rotation and they're going to be a better team. They're going to be a deeper team. Don't get too caught up in like, you know, who's one, who's two. All right, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. This is a kind of a cool story here. Senior Sorvesa who has been posting on our message boards for a few years now. He reached out to me earlier this week and said, hey, I'm in a bit of a pinch. I'm looking for a place uh, to host lunch for me and 25 other uh, coworkers. Do you think Ginger and Baker could host us? And I said, absolutely. Between all the spaces that they have, whether it be 
the cash restaurant, the cafe, the rooftop, the mill top, the wine cellar. Uh, there's so many spaces. I'm sure they could accommodate you. So he sure enough, he called. They got him right in. Uh, the next day, they had a great lunch in the mill top room. He said it was perfect. The food was great. The service was awesome. And that's just what Ginger and Baker does. So they've got so many other spaces there, the a coffee shop, a bakery, a teaching kitchen, and a market with great items. I really cannot encourage you enough to go check this place out. Ginger Graham, she's got a gem there up in Fort Collins. I hope that you guys will all check it out and support her and support Ginger and Baker. You will fall in love with this place just as I did. So your interview recently when uh, Norvell came down to Denver and met with what, five or six different outlets. Yeah. Your interview was really good. Love listening to that. He was, he was great with you. It really illustrated your outlet in a big time manner. You know, it was really cool that you were kind of prioritized alongside with those TV networks and was it Denver post as well. Um, So really cool. What was your experience experience? like with him visiting you and sitting there. I love that picture of you guys um, sitting there in the studio, but what, what, uh, what was your experience like there? And and what did that mean to you? Yeah, it was, it was kind of surreal. You know, I, sometimes, you know, I think I can get kind of desensitized to it all. Obviously, you know, being around these players, I've, you know, been around the, the last four staffs, gotten to know all these coaches and stuff that sometimes I kind of forget, like, if you would have told, you know, 10 year old Justin that you not only do you know this coach, but like you're going to interact with him and he's going to do stuff like respect you enough to come on your show. That had been insane to me. Like I would have taken that over winning the Powerball. Like it, it, it was, it's just crazy that I've been able to uh, establish this. It's been obviously a, a long journey, but it, it, it meant a lot to me. Like I, I, did, I try not to get too corny. And I, sometimes I do this on my podcast where I like get emotional and start thanking CSU fans and I'm sure they roll their eyes, but I mean, it, it does mean a lot to me, you know, that, that I get to have this platform and create content specifically for CSU fans, because as we all know, particularly in the, the Denver Metro area, you know, if, if you're fortunate to live in Fort Collins and get the, the Colorado and you get plenty of great CSU coverage, but if you live in the metro area, like I did growing up, you know, living in Lakewood, there wasn't a ton of CSU content. They just, they didn't get a lot of play. And so I I took, you know, great pride in trying to create something by CSU people for CSU people. And the fact that it's come all the way full circle to a point where, you know, Norvell's coming all the way down to the studio, you know, giving me a half hour of his time and being really engaged, you know, it, it, what meant even more to me was not that he came on the show. It was the fact that he was, you know, engaged and, and, you know, responsive because I get it like football coaches, they've got better things to do with their time, at least in their opinion, you know, than sit down and, and talk with us bozos for 30 minutes, but it's a part of the gig. He embraces it. And he was really respectful. He was really kind. He was really engaged. It, It was, you know, probably the most fun I've ever had in an interview. And, I'm I'm really really thankful of of CSU for for making that work. You know, my relationship with CSU is always probably an ever changing thing. You know, sometimes I'll say something they don't like, I might tweet something they don't like, but overall, you know, Kyle Neves especially has been really great in in just giving us an opportunity to to have access and to to highlight CSU because that's what you know what all of us want is to to highlight CSU. If if other places won't do it, then we will. Yeah, it's it's surprising 
that more coaches treat meeting with the media as a burden. You know, there's so many coaches do, and, and it's surprising that more don't really get like Norvell gets, where it's an opportunity to talk about your program. It's an opportunity to put your program in a good light, especially when you're when when your personality shines like his does. Um, and it, you know, if you're a prospective student athlete and you see him talking all the time, it's it's engaging, and you want you want more of it. So um, I, I I love the fact that. And I noticed that too. It wasn't just, he was checking a box, you know, trying to meet with all five of these, though, each of those interviews, he actually was engaged in different ways. And, um, and he genuinely seems to enjoy just, uh, just having those relationships. So, so that was cool. Good job on that. And I, I did what I was going to ask you the same thing. You just basically mentioned it about your relationship with CSU and Kyle. And it does seem like, you know, some, it, it seems like they actually have given you the, you know, the credentials and giving you access um, for years, but just seems like um, even this year, it's become more like treating you as they would any mainstream media outlet, which, which is cool. So um, how it in just in general is, is the business going? I know you, you've worked, you've said, you've told me you've worked a lot of side jobs over the years to kind of make all this work for you. Um, is it, is this great passion of yours becoming more self-sustaining uh, with, as, as people continue to subscribe and this grows bigger? Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, I mean, I, I'm a, a salaried employee now, which is is really cool. Um, it, it's I earn enough to where I can pay my bills and not have to work 25, 30 hours a week at a restaurant anymore, which is is nice. It gives me a lot more opportunity to to be at practice and to you know create unique content, do other stuff. But it's been a grind. You know, that's the one thing I would. I would say to anybody that wants to attempt making it in digital media is that, you know, monetizing it is still kind of a process that everybody's figuring out, even companies that work in a digital space. And you got to be prepared to kind of work much harder for much longer than you want to, and probably not be you know, compensated the, the way that you would hope for, especially like when you're independent DNVR, since I've been here has been really good to me, but you know, when I like did my own site, you know, I just trying to sell subscription or, you know, sell advertising and also cover the team and also work at crazy Carl's. And also I was taking nine credits at the time. It was, it was kind of a, a crazy time period, but it's all, it's all starting to mellow out a little bit, but now I have a, a crazy dog. So all the stress that I lost, um, from work, I have, I have added from having dog responsibilities. So that, that it's, you love him, but man, is he a lot? Well, the, for, the, for those who have not subscribed yet, I will tell you, Justin does a fantastic job. There's so much good content in there. It is well worth the, what is it? Five bucks a month. Uh, if you pay it all up front. So, um, it is, it is the best value around. If you're a diehard fan, you've got to have it. So, uh, so go to dnvr.com and is that what it is? The, the DNVR, and yeah, the dnvr.com. DNVR. Yep. And go ahead and subscribe. Help your, help our boy Justin out. You won't regret it. Much love, guys. Just real quick. I, I want to shout out Ram Nation. I've talked about this on my podcast, but you know, you asked me about my passion for CSU. My dad showed me ramnation.com. I don't remember how old I was, probably like fifth grade, fourth grade. And he's like, you got to check this out, man. Like they're talking about everything you love. And, um, I, I figured out that if I went on a private internet browser at my middle school, I could get around their like 
web servers that block stuff and I could go on Ram Nation. So when I was supposed to be, you know, studying and, you know, doing study hall and all that, I would be on message boards in Ram Nation, you know, arguing about Gartrell Johnson and Corey Sperry and all my favorite players. So I just want to shout out you. I've said it on the podcast, but, you know, like I, I wouldn't do what I do if it wasn't for Joel and Ram Nation. So you're the OG, man. You're the CSU digital source. I appreciate the fact that you allow me to have my podcast feed on your site and that you guys are all cool. You know, that's the thing I love about CSU in general. Even, even, you know, Kevin Lytle is quote unquote, my competition. He's one of my better friends, you know, like we hang out, we're all cool. And I, I, I wish more beats were like that. Cause it's definitely not, I, I see it, you know, in other college beats and they are, they're all cold with each other. And you can't, I can't go on his radio show. Cause that takes away from my radio show. CSU fans are consuming all of our content. We all interact with each other. We're all on Twitter. We don't have to be silly about it. So yeah. Shout out to you guys. You guys do a great job on your show. I love listening to it. And uh, it's, it's awesome to be on here. I know I, I, I kind of said the same thing last week on our podcast to Joel. I mean, honestly, without Ram Nation, I, I mean, so many friends that I've made specifically because of that website and uh, kind of bringing me back into, uh, into the fold on, on wanting to be more involved. I mean, this was 17 years ago, so. So yeah, it's, it, it is a good website and, and what you do is amazing. And, and, you know, I told you a couple of weeks ago, man, you just keep grinding because you're doing an awesome job. I appreciate you guys, man. You guys are awesome. Having c- covered CSU for as long as you have, I mean, you're on your fo- fourth staff in football, second in basketball, you know, who are some of those players that were your favorite to cover? Well, going all the way back, um, I want to shout out uh, Ellen Nistrom and Elon Gustafson from the CSU women's basketball team. They were a dynasty, won four straight conference championships and could not have been cooler to me. Like when I was still getting my feet involved with media, like just dipping my toes in. But uh, out, of, out of the main people, um, Michael Gallup is one of the most talented people that I've ever been around, but he was also just like one of the humblest and, and kindest Obviously, I got to be very tight with Trey McBride and, and David Roddy, one from the team DNVR stuff, but also just because I got to cover them, you know, throughout their in their entire tenure. But gosh, there have been so many. I mean, Nico Carvacho and I were really tight and I still talk to him to this day. Um, but it's not even always like the stars, you know, like Patrick Elsenbast was a, a special teams player, primarily a linebacker, but a guy I got to know really well, a, a you know, friend of mine that the one thing that I love about covering CSU is, is just the vast well, one of many things that I love, but the, the vast majority of these guys are, are really just good people. Like, you know, when you, you be around a Barry Wesley or an Ola BC Johnson and like, man, I just, I'd love to just hang out with you and, you know, talk about whatever. And they're not all that way. You know, some, some guys come through and you're like, man, I hope you transfer, but most of them, most of them are really great to interact with. Uh, speaking of BC, uh, for our listeners, you know, horrible, horrible what happened to him last Saturday in the in the preseason game against the Broncos, blowing out his other knee. Uh, was with his his mom and stepdad on Sunday, and he wasn't even supposed to be in on that play. They were they were down a, uh, a rookie receiver who was supposed to be on that punt coverage, and and. 
who he had went out with a concussion and the coach just kind of is like, Hey, you know what you're supposed to do on this? Just go, let's get through this game. And I know that, that it's tough for him. Um, but my daughter made a get well soon card <laughs> that awesome. he got. They sent a picture of him yesterday holding it. So, uh, so BC, I mean, we're definitely sending out our thoughts, thoughts to you to quick recovery and, and get back after it next year. Yeah, it's just brutal, man. The sport is, that's probably the thing that changed the most when you work in media and you're around these guys, like injuries always made me sad, but now when I, I see it happen and you know how hard these guys work and you be around them and you know what it means to them, it just breaks your heart, man. My, my stomach drops every single time I see anybody go down, but especially BC, man, he worked his ass off to get back. It's a contract year. And now he blows out his knees, probably going to have to take like a one year prove it deal. And, and you hope that the Vikings do right by him, but it's a new regime. You know, it's not the staff that drafted him or brought him in. I will say it, it seems like he had made a, a good impression on the staff was like in line to be their four or five receiver, but yeah, just brutal. Absolutely brutal. And could not have happened to a better dude, a kinder dude and a, a guy that, you know, works really hard. So I'm, I'm pulling for BC, pulling for all those next level Rams. So like I said, him, Mike Gallup, they're just good dudes. Well, I know we've been kind of all over the board. It's just, uh, this is kind of what we do. Uh, but I do want to get back and, and just kind of get your thoughts before we wrap up on what do you expect? I guess first, just for this particular game, this, the season opener, what do you expect to see from the offense? Do you think the air raid is, is going to be a little slow to, to get off the ground um, with, with a young quarterback, a, maybe a, untested uh, offensive line? Uh, or do you think that these guys can come out and click? And then what do you think, uh, what do you, what do you expect from the defense as well? Offensively, you are going to have to try and stretch the field a little bit because you don't want Michigan stacking the box on you and just, you know, blitzing this, this O line with five new starters and a red shirt freshman quarterback. That said, I think early on you try and run the ball a little bit, you know, maybe more so than you would in a, in a mountain West game. I think we'll see a lot of, you know, quick screens, you know, mesh routes, just underneath stuff, trying to get the ball out of clay's hands, get them in rhythm and feeling confident before you start trying to do some of those harder plays down the field. Just get, get that positive momentum rolling. The main thing with CSU is you just, I'm curious to see like what tempo do they play at? Because you, you normally want to play at an up tempo. And if you're rolling, that could be a big advantage for attacking this Michigan defense. The counter is, is if you're not moving the chains and you're playing at this tempo, you could really put your defense in a, in a bad spot. And I think this Michigan offense is going to be better than they were last year. They've probably got the best offensive line in college football. So it's, It'll be interesting. I will say Norvell said, you know, we've, we've got to be aggressive. So I, I think you're going to see a CSU team that tries to punch back, you know, blitzes, try to get off to the quarterback, create some, you know, tackles for loss. Obviously, if you can get a turnover like that Robert Floyd pick at Iowa, like those are the, those are the momentum swinging plays that allow you to hang around in a game like this. I will say though, I, I don't think you see them particularly early on, like just doing, you know, four verts after four verts after four verts, because that could be a scenario where Clay gets the hell beat out of him. You might not be completing a lot of passes. And, you know, you, you don't want to hurt the confidence of your, of your young quarterback. It's, but it's, it's just such a tough balance when you go <laughs> against a team like this week one. 
I know you you've got a podcast coming up with Kevin, and I'm sure you'll be sharing your own predictions for the game and all that. So I don't make you give a a score or anything, but do you you think that that the Rams can hang in there? Do you, you anticipate you know having it be an entertaining game like Iowa? Or do you have do you think there's any shot to win? Or I'd love to just get your get your thoughts on a high level. Yeah, man, we and we can talk about whatever. I'm not I'm not worried about hiding anything or you know like saving it. <laughs> um, I like CSU to cover. Uh, I I think that they can cover 30 and a half points. I think that there's enough talent on this team. I could they win? Yeah. I mean, Appalachian state beat Michigan in the big house. Like we see games like that every year in college football in order for it to happen. You'd probably need some fluky things to go your way, you know, fumble recoveries, weird bounces, pick six, something like that. So I, I don't think they're going to win. No. But I, I, I think they'll be more competitive than a lot of people around the country expect. I, I, it wouldn't shock me if they lose this game more like by 17 or 20 versus, you know, like 30 to 35. I, I could see a scenario kind of like 2013 Alabama where you are competitive for a little bit. You know, you have some moments, maybe they pull away in the second half. But I think a lot of it's going to come down to how aggressive is Michigan? Because the big thing that's changed in 2022 versus you know, even 2017, 2013, with the way that the college football playoff vote works, you need those style points. And if Michigan doesn't throttle CSU, then you get the people across the country being like, oh, I don't know, you know, is Michigan actually a top 10 team? You know, or are they going to take a step back? So, you know, if, if they're looking to run up the score with the offensive line that they have, the veteran run game that they have, they probably could do it. But the other counter is, they also have like a quarterback carousel and they're trying to figure that out. So if they're trying to see what McNamara can do as a passer, you know, he could get out of rhythm. You know, if he's not completing everything, all of a sudden CSU hangs around, like anything could happen. I, I firmly believe that anything can happen in a crazy college football game. I, I would say it would be wishful thinking to go into it, expecting CSU to, to win or anything like that. But if you're competitive, I think that can be a big, big benefit for you moving forward because I've talked to players that, you know, hung well against number one, Alabama and Tuscaloosa. And when you have that realization that like, yeah, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster, but the gap isn't quite as significant as it gets portrayed to be, you know, moving forward, that can give you a lot of confidence, especially, you know, going into that wazoo game and, you know, some of these other games you have at home. Mike, what do you, what are your thoughts on the game? You know, I mean, everything echoing everything that uh, Justin just said, everything that Jimmy Kaler just said last week. I see the same thing. I don't. I I don't see us winning. I do see us, you know, covering and, and staying close. I see Michigan trying to build that depth. I mean, it is their first game as well, so they're going to be they're going to be trying to build their depth because they they are looking at the national championship where we're looking at getting to six wins, getting to a bowl game. We need to focus on getting our starters ready, getting our starters performing so that we can win those games. They're working on the long haul where they need, they need those experienced backups later in the season so that they don't drop a game because McNamara goes down and, and they have a quarterback issue or their running back gets hurt or one of their O linemen go down. So I could see them. And I know Michigan did that or, Sorry, Alabama did that in both games where we didn't see it, but they were subbing in. Their their O line was 
wasn't their starters the whole time. So where Michigan has the best offensive line in, in the nation, there's going to be a lot of times where they're backup centers in there. They, they're reserve guards in there with the Good ones. Point. So, so I see CSU keeping those starters in longer than what Michigan would and maybe getting that backdoor cover or, or like you said, Justin, keeping it close, keeping it close until the, the third where the depth and talent, uh, you know, just pulls it away for Michigan. Yeah, that's exactly where I fall. Um, you know, I, I think it's, I would love to see them come out and click offensively. I think there might be, you know, might take a few drives to kind of, to get comfortable. You got a real young quarterback who's not been on this kind of stage and maybe he'll surprise us, but I, I could just envision them getting off to a slow start offensively. And if the defense can't kind of keep Michigan's offense in check for a little bit, we could find ourselves down two, three touchdowns real quick. And that's going to be a disaster, but uh, you know, I, I do think, like you guys said, I think the Rams can hang in for a while. Uh, I think Michigan's size, depth, talent across the board. Uh, I'm just not sure CSU is able to compete with that yet if they if they if Michigan plays well. Um, I kind of hang myself on that. It's Norvell and Harbaugh. They, they they have a relationship. They've known each other for a long time. Um, you know, I I don't know about you guys, but I don't necessarily believe that Nick Saban put the pedal down on on Jim McElwain back in 2013 or Bobo. Or Bobo either, uh, but you know, I'm kind of hoping something along those lines, whether they mean to or not, that they don't uh, consciously look to bury uh, uh, an opponent, and maybe maybe they won't. But I, I see the Rams hanging inside a couple touchdowns uh, through three quarters, and then kind of Michigan imposing their will and pulling away. But um, you know, I think that would be a win for CSU at least uh, at least in my pocket my pocketbook. Do you like them to cover? The cover, yeah. I do. I well, think my, I, uh, my Michigan alum grandfather talked me into somehow giving him Michigan by 28 instead of the 30. I was like, why am I taking worse <laughs> odds than I can get from Vegas? But he, he guilt tripped me, uh, because he's an old man, you know, I got to do right. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we right. need, uh, we need revenge though, guys. I mean, I already, I already had to give him money after the, uh, the NCAA tournament. So I, I, I need my, ten dollars back from my grandfather come on rams i'm, I'm still me. bitter about the 94 holiday bowl that was a bullshit offensive pass interference you weren't even born yet uh i watched it earlier this week actually just because it's on youtube yeah that was just a bs call that game-changing call so hopefully we just come back come out smash them in the mouth like that 94 team did and and get that break uh that we didn't get it in San Diego. Hey, you never know, right? I mean, it's it's been 15 years since the since App State went into the big house. We're about due, you know, for a, a historic crazy upset. Maybe it is CSU. I don't. The thing is, is you know, in a couple of years, you'd like to go into a game like this with a different mindset. You know, if this was year three where Norvell's established, you have a bunch of veterans, you'd probably feel a little bit different than if you had 59 new players and new, you know, offense and defense, redshirt freshman quarterback five new offensive linemen. So it's just one of those where I'm like, I genuinely think CSU has a lot of talent and I think that it's going to be a fun year, but to expect it to all go right under these circumstances in the biggest stadium in the country, given the atmosphere, given the fact that Michigan has, you know, college football playoff hopes, that's a tall task. It's a tall task. Crazy shit happens in college football, (laughs) but that's a tall task. Yes, it is. 
Uh, so I, before I let you go, um, I know you just kind of mentioned what uh, you think there'd be some bumps in the road, but there could be a decent season. What, what do you envision for the season as a whole? I, I think that the, the goal needs to be bowl eligibility. Um, in order to do that, you're, you can't have slip ups at home. And that was one of the things that I kind of focused on in my column. The fact that, you know, you very likely could start 0-2 as far as your road games go. You know, who knows what's going to happen with Nevada. That's going to be a, a really wonky atmosphere. But the schedule just doesn't do them a lot of favors. So you can't be dropping games like Middle Tennessee and Sacramento State, who's a very good FCS program. And, and as we all know, CSU has not fared very well against good FCS teams in the last decade. So it's it's one of those, you know, if you can start winning those type of games, to me, that's a sign that, you know, CSU is, is well coached and that they're moving in the right direction because it wasn't talent that was the issue, you know, over the last five, six years. It wasn't that they didn't have enough talent to beat South Dakota State. It wasn't that they didn't have enough talent under Bobo to win a lot of those games. They just didn't seem to have the right mindset. And I, I don't know how you do that. I, don't, I really, like I said, I have a lot of respect for Mike Bobo. I think he knows a ton about football why he was not able to, you know, bring out the best in his team. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm hoping that we see some of that, you know, from Norvell this year where like, it might not be perfect. You might win some of these games even closer than you want to, you know, maybe you only beat Sacramento state by like 10 or 13 or whatever. Just win these games, stop losing the winnable ones, beat a bad Wyoming team. You know, maybe you can steal one at San Jose state, but I, I do think they're going to be a bowl team. I think that you'll see some some good plays, some exciting moments, you know, where Torrey Horton catches a 50-yard touchdown and everything's epic. I also think there'll be some drives where you see an offensive line that looks like it's five new starters and a redshirt freshman quarterback. I think that's just kind of the process. But my hope is, is somewhat like the 2013 season, right, where you start slow, you lose a really frustrating game at Tulsa, lose a dumb home game to San Jose State, talk about random things that I think about you know, just sitting late at night on a Tuesday thinking about a 2013 loss to San Jose State, but they ended strong, right? And then you go to the bowl, you win the New Mexico Bowl. I think that should be the hope, right? Six and six, seven and five, maybe if you you can sneak one of those other games out. Even five and seven, if they miss bowl eligibility, so long as, you know, you see the right things, I think that that would be good. But, you know, I at some point, you know, you got to start raising the standards. So I think, you know, bowl eligibility should be the expectation well good stuff man really enjoyed catching up with you long overdue keep up the great work appreciate it uh thank you on behalf of all ram fans for all the, the time and effort you put in to give us coverage yeah keep grinding yeah, man. man you're doing awesome you're doing awesome much love guys all right that was justin michael what a good job he does for dnvr obviously you could tell he's just uh he's a good good person and a very knowledgeable Ram, very knowledgeable media member. Uh, so we're lucky to have him providing the coverage that he does. So um, before we wrap up here, I wanted to announce, you've probably seen on the message boards that we are dipping our toe in NIL. Kind of was sparked, I don't know, a few weeks ago when people started bringing up the idea of fan-driven NIL possibilities. Uh, Michigan actually has a a website where fans can donate to, and then they've got student athletes that'll come and provide content. So that was kind of the spark of all this. And, you know, we've been thinking about ways that we could get involved in NAL on at least a small level and, and just do stuff, leverage the the fan base that we have here uh, with Ram Nation that we've had for 20 plus years. And uh, 
I, I actually thought it would be a great idea. You know, I, I love the ideas, but I also kind of wanted to make it have a purpose. And so what we came up with was we wanted to target at least uh, to start a student athlete who was a journalism major, communications major, whatever, something tied to what we do uh, so that we could bring them on and they could use their skills there. They could employ what they're learning in, in school uh, related to the field they're going to go into uh, and be able to use that, get some real world experience. So um, we're going to have student athletes come in and write um, game recaps or previews um, for ramnation.com podcast appearances. We'll do Q and A's with our fans on Ram Nation, whether we do that in a podcast format or actually written content, we'll figure that out. I don't know, but, and then we'll, we've got a couple other ideas in mind. So that's kind of what we want to do. And our first, uh, we're really proud to to bring in our first partner. It's going to be Christian Aniechi, CJ Aniechi. He's a fifth year senior transfer from Rutgers. He'll be a starter at defensive end for the Rams. He is a really good person, man, and he is a, a he's awesome to talk to. You guys are going to love him. Um, he is studying communication and technology as part of the journalism media communications department. I think that's just a perfect fit for for us. Um, I know that we've talked. Uh, there was some chatter on our Ram Club board. You know why why do we not go after guys that have been in our program for years? Um, and that's basically why. Um, I, I looked at a, a long list of of people who I wanted to to target, but not everybody's a journalism major. That was kind of my criteria here. And I think we found a really perfect fit with CJ. You know, he grew up in New Jersey, played five seasons at Rutgers and transferred here as a senior transfer. And um, he's going to give our defensive line a big lift this fall. Uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so it'll be a, a neat way for us to kind of get involved in all this, make an impact for student athlete. And um, we'll just try it out. We'll try it out for football season. Uh, and then depending on how fundraising goes, we'll hopefully get a men's basketball player on board. And we'd love to, if, if, if everything goes well, if people are, if this inspires people, we could, we could bring in other student athletes as well from other sports. We'd love to get women's sports involved, Olympic sports, just make an impact. Um, there, we've done a lot of things over the years where we've, we've, we've used Ram Nation for a good purpose because our, our fans are giving, um, our fans, uh, want to be involved in the community and there's been some, some great things that we've done, but it's been, it's been, it's been some time. It's been a few years since we've actually gotten involved in something like this. And I'm really excited about, uh, making an impact here. And I will say that there is, we'll be sharing more information on this soon, but there's a, a group of guys, very successful business guys in Fort Collins who love the Rams, who have been working very, very hard on this, this collective, uh, this NIL collective, and there'll be information coming out on that soon. But I, I really anticipate me trying to be involved there uh, with fundraising and, and, you know, doing whatever they need to make that uh, work. I won't share too many details yet because they're still um, not ready for it to be announced, but I really feel like their ideas, uh, their approach makes a lot, a lot of sense. It's a little bit different from what anyone else is doing. So um, I think it's in very capable hands with these guys are super smart and uh, put a lot of thought into this. So um, I don't want to by in any means impede on that because that's um, I think that's going to be a very important um, group. Uh, but I thought this was a way for us to, Hey, let's pitch in 10 bucks a month. Let's pitch in 20 bucks or a one-time donation of a hundred bucks, you know, just to kind of get us through football and basketball season. And, and, you know, if we get enough people to do it, we can make an impact just with uh, each of us throwing in a few bucks. So 
If this compels you, would love to have you involved. Go to uh, ramnation.com. Uh, you'll see a, a menu item at the top of our page where you just click that. It gives you all the information. I will make sure to post all of the, um, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I tally up our donation amounts and um, you guys will all be in the loop on uh, how much money we're bringing in and then what we're paying out. And so it'll be all be transparent, but I think it'll be a great cause. So appreciate all you guys who have provided feedback and ideas to do this. Uh, and let's just see how it goes. So appreciate your support. All right, one last thing. Don't forget to get your pick them entries in. We've got Shields as our sponsor this year, providing gift cards for the, each individual week winner, as well as season prizes. And there's also an optional cash pool. Uh, we're hoping to get at least 25, 30 people in there to make that pool worthwhile. It's a $25 entry, completely separate from the free pool. But just go to our uh, Shields pick them ad on our homepage or any page of the site, actually. Just click that. You'll find out more information. It's very easy to just create an account and make your picks each week. So that'll be a lot of fun. Hope all you guys that are traveling to Ann Arbor this weekend, enjoy it. I leave first thing uh, tomorrow morning. Mike leaves left is leaving right after this call, but it is going to be a good time regardless of how things go on the field. It's great to have college football back. Hopefully the Rams put on a good show. Man, it would be so great if they just shocked the world somehow and just had a program-changing win. But uh, either way, we go and support the Rams no matter what. So thanks for listening. Hope everybody had a great week. Let's go, Rams. Let's get this season started right. Hopefully there's big things to come for us. We are due. Let's go.